I do desire an interest in your prayers today, and I'd ask you to turn to Second uh, Samuel chapter number 23, and then we may read a little bit in Hebrews 11. I appreciate the service thus far, what we've been able to feel. Um, I'm glad I know what the hand and the touch of the Lord feels like. Um, I'm glad I know what that journey is from nature unto grace. Um, We were talking in Sunday school this morning about how the Lord puts a love in your heart when you're saved. And He does. He puts a love there and, and... and we link up, those of us who have been born again, there's a, there's a, a link there between us and it'll be there forevermore. And, uh, and we love one another. And, and I appreciate Sunday school this morning, appreciate Brother Joe and all of our teachers. They do an outstanding job. And uh, I, I love them, pray for them, and I appreciate all that they do. And the song service, uh, one of my favorite songs, Everybody Will Be Happy Over There. I don't know about you, but I've looked at funerals, I've looked into the eyes of mamas and daddies, and I've seen the hurt, and I've seen the pain, and I've seen the tears. One day that'll all be behind us, and everybody will just be happy. And as, as the song said, we'll finally meet the one who saved us, and we'll look upon his face. What a day. Hallelujah. A never ending day. I'm glad I'm going there. We sang a song as we first started that said, Heaven is nearer. And I'm thankful it's nearer today than it's ever been. I'm closer today than I was yesterday. Looking forward to that time when we'll slip past and slip beyond the veil and step out into eternity. We'll step out into that river as we begin to cross it and and open up our eyes in a new world that's being prepared right now. Well, I'm so thankful I've got a testimony. Second Samuel chapter 23, it's nothing new, I've preached on it here before I think, but it's verse number 8, says, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino the Esnite, he lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoahite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together in battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. And I'll stop there, and I will turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and read a few verses. Um, Hebrews 11 32 says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, 
Stop the mouths of the lions. Quench the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Wax valiant in fight. Turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I thought this week, and I sort of wondered what to preach about, and, and Brother Tom is going to be here next Sunday from Kenya, and, and so next weekend is Memorial Day weekend. And uh, so I won't get a chance to preach next weekend, so I thought I would preach a little bit about that today. And I'm so thankful for those that have gone before us. So thankful for those who, who, uh, who when, when duty was called upon them, they, they even took up arms to protect and defend what we have. You realize how fortunate and how blessed we are. I do believe, uh, I was talking to Brother Titus on the phone the other day, and we were talking... I do believe that God gave America unto us. I believe that with every fiber of my being. Uh, but in giving that to us, He also required us to take it. He also required men and women to sacrifice and to give their lives and to shed their blood the same as He done for Israel of old. For He gave them the land of promise and Joshua divided them their inheritance. But then it was... It was upon those men to go and take the land that God had given them. And they did just that. They did that by the faith and the power of God. It wasn't, it wasn't their strength that they went in, but it was the strength of God. It wasn't their might, but it was the might of the Spirit and the power of God. And those Philistines and those Amalekites and, 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 and Perizzites and Jebusites, they were strong armies. They were, they were numbered armies. And, and there were times that, as I read in Hebrews, that, that Israel turned to flight the armies of the aliens. There was a time I could show you in Isaiah's writing when Hezekiah was king and there was a group of about 180,000 soldiers that had surrounded there the city in Samaria. And Hezekiah sent a message to Isaiah the prophet and he said, what are we going to do? He said, there's not been a king or a god that stood before this wicked man. And they left bodies there on the streets. And he said, there's not been a king that's been able to stop him. 
And Isaiah prayed. He, he, he uh, spread forth the letter that the wicked king had written. And he spread it out before God. And God looked at that. And he said, I'll turn them around by their own way. And they'll go back into the land they came from. I can show you in, uh, in Kings and in Second Kings, there was a prophet named Elisha that, uh, that, that, uh, that by the power of God, he uh, brought blindness upon the armies of Syria. And he led them into Jerusalem and, and Isaiah or uh, Elisha then told them to open their eyes and, and then he told his servant you open your eyes and, and the Bible said that his servant uh, saw chariots and horses of fire uh, surrounding that city I'm telling you I believe the founding of our nation I believe there were angels and principalities and powers I, I believe that uh, naturally speaking the group of men that defended and took this land uh, would not be capable in their own strength of doing that. Uh, I've heard of George Washington referred to as the indispensable man. Uh, it, uh, I don't believe America would exist without him, uh, but it wasn't his power and his mind. It was the strength and the might of God. I've read his writings and he said he relied on the direction of divine providence. Uh, there was a, a stories of General Washington before uh, before the war. Do you realize he had never, in all the battles he had been in, he was chosen to lead our army uh, at the founding of this country in the Revolutionary War. He was chosen. Uh, but do you know up to that time, uh, they chose a man who had never uh, been successful on the battlefield. He had never really won want anything, uh, but there were stories, oh, there were stories that, uh, that went about from him. I've read stories where he was in the midst of a battle, and he was fighting with the Indians and on their side, and they got back to camp, and the old Indians said, uh, General Washington, God's got things in store for you. And Washington said, what do you mean? And he said, look at your hat and look at your coat. And there were bullet holes in it, but it never touched his body. And he was uh, chosen by me and chosen by God. But, uh, but let's move on and move forward. Those men and women who uh, we're going to celebrate them uh, in just a week's time or so. Seven or eight days uh, uh, from now there'll be people uh, uh, placing flowers upon the grave sites that started uh, as far as the uh, soldiers are concerned in the Civil War. Uh, do you realize how, how, how rare it is for a country to have a Civil War and then to come back together? Uh, that just just don't happen. I believe God had a hand in that. Uh, but every drop of blood that's been shed uh, from every American that's, uh, uh, that's fought on the beaches of Normandy knowing they were uh, going to their death, but still uh, they thought enough of their home country uh, to fight on and to march on. And, and I want to tell you today, uh, uh, we better be looking at this from a spiritual angle. Uh, uh, we better be marching on and, and holding on to this old way. We're living in a generation that I don't know about you, but I don't recognize it any longer. Uh, we're doing things that I never in my wildest dreams ever thought that we'll be doing on America in our soul. Do you know what our problem is? It's the same as Israel of old. God was their king. They didn't need an earthly king. But they looked at the other nations and they said, we want to be like them. They didn't realize that they got to where they were at because they were different. They were founded upon the promise of God. 
I happen to believe America was founded upon the promise of God. I happen to believe we're here today because God willed it to be so. I believe we're here today because He took a group of farmers who really had no formal training and they turned away the greatest Navy power on the face of this earth. They didn't do that by their own strength. I've read stories. I've read stories of their heroic deeds. I've read stories of how they were all going to quit one Christmas Eve at Valley Forge at New Year's there. Their enlistment was going to be over and Congress hadn't paid them. And nearly every one of them said it's not worth it. And that we're not winning the fight. And we're going to just march home. And, and we've not received our pay. And we've not received our money. And, and this isn't going the way we thought. And then that same General Washington took out a letter from Congress. And, and, and he tried to read it and he couldn't read it. And he took out, he hated to do it. It embarrassed him to do it. But he laid aside his pride and he took up what he thought was a sign of weakness he took up a pair of glasses and spectacles and put them on and began to read and you know what that did those men looked around one at another and they said General Washington the man that we serve this war has made him old it took his eyesight away it's affected his health and because of the love that they had for him they stayed with him and they marched home I want to tell you something today. Now the love that I have for the captain of my salvation, it encourages me to march on and to fight on. I'm telling you, they took his life. I looked at his life and we talked about it in Sunday school, how they, how they, they didn't take it. He just laid it down. Now, but he had power to lay it down and he had power to pick it up. Now, but I thought in Hebrews we read there about those men and those women uh, who, who were listed in the heroes of faith that they were Jews some were Gentiles, but they took their stand. I thought about those three men, David's mighty men. He had about 37 if you read that. You can read in First Chronicles chapter 11. It also gives you some detail. But those three men, the Bible said the chiefest of them was one and he slew 800 men at one time with his spear. You might say, I don't believe that preacher. I don't know if you believe it or not, but it's the Word of God and I'll stand on the Word of God. Uh, but next to him was a man named Eleazar. And the Bible says in, in Chronicles, he was with David in the field of barley. And here come the Philistines. And, and the Bible said, Eleazar, uh, what did he do? He grabbed his sword and he grabbed it so tight and he fought and he fought and he fought and blood was spilled and blood was shed and every time he looked up there were more coming and the more he chopped down uh, there were more coming and I don't know how long that he fought uh, but I'll tell you this he fought till the battle was over and that's what you and I need to do. I'm telling you something today. If you can look around at America and the things that we're doing and the things that we're forcing upon this generation of little children and it don't make your blood boil and it don't make the hair on your neck stand up, I'm telling you, you're not paying attention and you're asleep and living in la-la land somewhere, I'm telling you this land is worth defending. I'm telling you this gospel is worth defending. I'm telling you this old time way of salvation, you better believe that's worth standing and fighting for. And that old man, we're living in a generation 
I thought as we were singing the Days of the Week song, I'm glad when I got saved that nobody stood over me and said, do you believe this? Well, then you're saved. And they laid, you know what they done? They done the best thing they could do. They left me alone and let me pray it out. I'm telling you now, there are times that God impresses upon you to go and speak to a sinner. When He does that, you need to go. But if He's not in it, you leave them alone. And let them pray through. And let them pray it out. And God don't need your help in that. But He does. He does at times put thoughts upon you. And impresses you to go and speak. How many testimonies have you heard that said, you know, I'd have probably never been saved if that sweet little saint of God hadn't come up and asked me if I wanted to go pray? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when they're on their, in their knees, when they're on their face, and the tears and the snot to fly. I'm telling you, you better be careful what you say to them in that hour. You better be careful and just say to them, do you feel better? Well, they might feel better, but they might not be saved. I'm telling you, you need to let them pray through. That's the very best thing. You can pray for them. Uh, but that's the journey that they're going to have to make on their own. And with a church around them and a church praying for them, that helps tremendously. I'm not saying to stay at your seats. As a matter of fact, I think it's good. I think it ought to be custom. I don't think the man of God should ever have to look at his church and say, come and pray with this one. I think when one comes, you ought to just get up and come. That's the way I feel about it. Uh, but this way is quickly passing us by. Do you realize that the freedoms that we have are, are, are quickly eroding? I'm telling you, I'm not going to go over the cliff with humanity. We are living in a generation that is nothing more than a dead cult. That's a, it is the spirit of the age. And you better be careful of it. You can leave. I could name uh, politicians that I trust, and I trust them on both sides, but I'm telling you, I could count them on one hand and have three or four fingers left over. In other words, there ain't many that's taken up the sword and fighting. Eleazar took up the sword. We were talking in Sunday school about loving your neighbor, and that's true. And loving those who do you harm, and that's true. Loving those and praying for those that are mean to you. That's hard. That's also true. But then we come to a place where we cannot, we must not, we will not, and we cannot compromise our beliefs and who we are. That we're going to be like Eleazar. Hold that sword of God. What is the sword? It's the Word. It is the sword of the Spirit. He held that so tight that even after the battle was over, I've read stories, you might not believe it, but I've read stories of, of, uh, of military men who've held on to their swords so tight uh, that they couldn't turn loose and the battle was over and, and they had to be surgically removed. In other words, nothing was going to separate them from their weapon. But do you realize that when Eleazar gripped that weapon, he gripped it tight, but he also gripped it right. I'm telling you, how I wish some of you would grip and gain hold of the Word of God in the right manner and in the right way. And Eleazar held it to tight when the battle was over. 
it said the sword clave to his hand. Uh, that could also mean the blood uh, run down that hilt. And it just congealed. And his hand, in other words, his hand was stuck to the sword. I'm telling you, he fought a battle. No wonder he was one of David's mighty men. And then we come down to Shema. The Bible said he was in a field of peas. It calls it lentils, but it was peas. And he was there, and the Philistines came upon him. And the Bible said, well, first, let's go back to Eleazar. Do you know what happened? They left him alone. Israel turned their backs and ran. What do you think went through his mind as he watched his friends turn their backs? Oh, I'm telling you, my heart's been broken before. Men I thought that would stand, and they turned around and left. I'm telling you right now, I don't care how many turn around and leave the house of God. You hold the sword of God, and you begin to swing inside. And in other words, Eleazar... He might have not charged into battle. You know, lots of times God doesn't require us to go running into battle. Sometimes He does. But sometimes He just says, you know what? Just hold the line. Just hold the line. Don't give them any ground. I'm telling you, we gave Satan too much ground in the church. In America, we've let his ways and his influence sweep through Congress, sweep through the White House. And you know what done? It began to sweep through the holes. And you know what happened then? It has swept through the church. It is the spirit of the age. I'm telling you, I don't believe we need entertainment to come to the house of God. Lots of churches, they are building their whole ministry and their whole outreach and their whole gospel upon an entertainment type show, a talent show of sorts. I'm telling you, if the gospel preached and power and authority ain't good enough, they'll just have to die alone. I'm telling you, it is good enough. We don't need to be partakers in that. You know, I will say this. I believe we ought to do stuff with our youth. I wish we could take it once every month or three, once a quarter, maybe once every three months. Just do something with them. Have some kind of day where we go somewhere or just do. I'm not saying don't do things like that. But I'm saying when it comes to the worship and the service of the Lord, we better hold the line and stand our ground. And that's what Shema did. Shema looked up and there were Philistines coming. And you know what he did? He defended that pea patch. Why do you suppose he done that? They were going to take the food. The Philistines were going to take the food. But Shema knew the promise of God wasn't just, wasn't just that he's going to give them this land, but it was also he was going to give them the good of the land, the fruit of the land, the, the, the food of the land. And so Shema, when everybody else ran, he held the line and he stood his ground. And the Bible says he, uh, he stood there and he just held his ground and he defended it. I'm telling you, we need to defend the Word of God fiercely. Uh, we need to keep it beside us. We need to keep it with us. And we need to defend it to the bitter end. Our soldiers who've given their lives that you and I, we're going to celebrate them. It used to be called Decoration Day. And that was changed to Memorial Day. It's a time when we remember. And I've thought about that. It's a time that we remember those who've given everything. Do you know, we need to every once in a while just give thanks of the men and women 
that went before us here, Lafayette Missionary Baptist Church, has been going for 173 years. 173 years. We've stood for what's right. And we've stood up against those who, who mocked us and made fun of us through whatever thing that they might say. I'm telling you for this next generation, I was watching them. Some of them little boys and girls raised their hands. They didn't know what they were doing really, but in the days of the week, they wanted to be a part of it. I'm telling you, if you want to live to see them, if you want to live to see them stand and raise it in truth and in honor and in worship and say, I'm going to thank the Lord and Savior for saving my unworthy soul, we best hold the line. They are coming for those children. I said that during revival, and a lot of you might not like me saying that, but I'll say it again. They are coming for your children. You look at what they're teaching them in kindergarten. Things that they have no business with. They are coming for your children. They are indoctrinating them. I'm telling you, I will not be a part of it. If I stand alone, I'll die on that hill. It's a death cult. You've got people arguing right now that you ought to be able to murder a nine-month-old in the womb. How much longer are you going to... I stood more than a decade ago. I stood and preached at the church that I pastored. And I said the day is coming when they will openly advocate for killing him outside of the womb. Uh, that day uh, is coming, I said. This has probably been 12 years ago. And I said the day is coming uh, when they will start to look at your elderly people and say they don't give enough to society and they're taken from society, and they will start to uh, start up a, a way to take them out and just do away with them. And people looked at me like I had lost my mind. We've seen it. We've seen it. They are openly advocating now partial birth abortions. They are openly advocating now that if a baby survives an abortion, you ought to just let it die and you ought to take a pair of scissors. Preacher, that's awful. I'm telling you, you know what they do? They take a pair of scissors and they jam it in their little neck. And you tell me that don't hurt. It's evil. It's pure evil. It's unmitigated evil. And there are so-called churches that go along with that. I'm telling you, I'm not afraid to single them out. It's no church that I'm going to be part of. It's a death cult. It's the spirit of the age. I saw it during COVID in the nursing homes. It's happened over in England. And they just started unplugging them because they were old and they were feeble. It's a death cult. We better wake up. I'm telling you, this way of life is only going to work. You know, America's still an experiment. We're just a baby. Just a baby. We are an experiment. Nobody on the face of this earth has ever governed themselves like this. Nobody. We're an experiment. But like Israel of old, we're looking at socialist and communist things and saying we want to part. We want to go that way. I'm telling you right now, it's never worked in the history of man. It won't work now. It won't. We better hold the line. The gospel that's being preached by prosperity preachers, we better hold the line. 
We better preach it in power and in truth. You better know it. If you don't know it, you better start reading. You better start acquainting yourself. You might be the one that's called upon just to stand and defend it. He didn't tell those three men to rush out into battle, but he told them just to stand and fight. I don't know what my job is here. I, I know the devil tells me all the time, not many, not many, not anybody's getting saved by your ministry. He wears me out with that. I'm telling you, he'll, there are times we have to stand and fight the enemy. There are, and not give him any ground. We gained some ground during revival. I believe that. But if we lose the ground we gained before the next one comes, nothing's going to happen. I'm telling you, stand the ground and just hold the line. And don't give an inch to the enemy. The minute you start retreating, he'll go on the offense. I'm telling you, just stand and guard. You better guard your family. He's coming after your family. He is. If he can tear the family apart, that is the foundation. If he can tear that apart, and boy, oh boy, he's doing a good job of it, isn't he? Broken homes, we were talking just now about children not having anything to eat. Listen to a man of God on the radio coming down here talking about children who, uh, who have to go home over the summer with an abusive mom, an alcoholic dad, uh, people that I'm telling you, it's all around us. We better hold the line. Just stand and defend it. He's not asking you to do something you're not able to do. He's not asking you to go out, and I'm not telling you to go out and pick a fight. I believe we ought to be peaceable, and live, Paul said live peaceable, if possible, with all men. And I believe that's what we ought to do. Live peaceable. But I'm going to tell you this. When they start encroaching on my liberty, and when they start telling me what I can and cannot preach, I'm going to have a problem with it, and I'm going to hold the line. If nobody else will, I'll stand and I'll guard it. I'm telling you, these little ones that are growing up, they deserve it. The gospel was preserved for me in its power and authority, in its pureness. In other words, when I got saved, it was under a pure gospel. It was under the purity of the gospel. They are wrestling it now. They are taking it out of context. They are saying it's outdated, it's antiquated, whatever they say. I'm telling you, I'll stand and defend it. I'll grip it. I'll grip it till they have to pry it out of my hands. Be like Eleazar. But you know what? As tired as he was, he fought those Philistines all day. Probably all day and into the night. He fought him so long he couldn't let go of the sword. And they had to pry it out of his hands. He was a bloody mess. He was tired and he was weary. But you know what? He didn't get tired till after the battle. He didn't get tired during the battle. He, didn't, he might have got tired of fighting. He never got tired in fighting. And that's the way it is. God will sustain you by His strength until the battle is over and the victory is won. And then He'll give you rest. Then He'll give you rest. But I'm telling you, they're coming. They're coming for the church, the family, and the children. They're coming for you. Let's stand our ground. Let's just hold the line and be thankful of all that went before us. 173 years of history. 173 years of men and women taking their children to this place to hear the Gospel. 
Let's not let that go away. I'm telling you, the Bible says, and I'm done. But in Revelation, it warns the church there. He said, strengthen the things that remain that are ready to die. There are things in our culture and society that are ready to die. And one of those things is preaching the gospel in power and authority and the church receiving it and going out into the world and practicing. That's dying. It really is. We've got so much else to do. Sitting at home under the... They used to sit at home under candlelight and just read this blessed book. Oh, they loved it. We ought to fall in love with it today. That's dying. It's going away. You can't defend it if you don't know what you're defending. That's why these Wednesday night services are vital. And I'm not one that's equipped and apt to teach like I should. But we're going over why we believe what we believe. And it's important to know that. And defend it. That's my message if you want to come with a song. God bless you. And as we head into Memorial Day, let's not forget what it really means. It's not just a three-day weekend. My friend, it's a weekend that we remember the fallen. That we remember those who sacrificed it all. Who gave their life. I think about those in Normandy. It would be hard. People that you went through training with. People that you trained with. People that you'd die for and they'd die for you. But as those men got off of the boat, just 18 to 23 year olds, most of them, they got off the boat and they saw their friend die right in front of them. Couldn't stop, couldn't comfort them. They just had to keep on going. I'm telling you, I've seen friends fall by the wayside. And that hurts. But we must go on. We must. They gave their life that we have an opportunity to protect what we've got. God bless you. Go ahead with the song. Turn to 311. Page number 311.